Netflix gained 13.1 million subscribers in Q4 2023, a company record. We discussed paid sharing, the lower cost advertising tier, and how they impacted the results. Listen now. This week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon at the top there. Hi, Colin. How is everything going? It's going great, Will. It's uh, looking like, I don't know, maybe I'm sort of hopeful that the 49ers are going to be in the Super Bowl. It's looking like maybe 49ers versus Baltimore could be a likely outcome. We'll see this weekend, I guess. Yeah, great game they played last weekend, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, was really tremendous. But uh, we have a lot to cover this week. Of course, Netflix gave its results, and we're going to be raking those over the coals in our discussion today. But we're going to start with a couple of news stories that caught our eye. So what caught your eye? Yeah, so last week, Colin, um, listeners will recall that we talked about Peacock's exclusive stream of the um, Dolphins-Bills wildcard game. And we were talking a bit about what, um, I mean, it was, it was exclusive, so it was really a kind of first time that that had been done, and we were speculating on what kind of uh, performance it generated for Peacock, and uh, we actually have some numbers now. Antenna has um, looked at its data and believes that uh, Peacock added around 2.8 million subscribers, 2.8 million signups that day. Uh, what Antenna is calling the biggest subscriber acquisition moment that it has measured. And um, and if you think about the 2.8 million on how many subscribers Peacock already had, just coincidentally, we're recording here on Thursday, Comcast released its um, numbers, its quarterly numbers today, and said that uh, Peacock ended the year with 31 million subscribers, and that would have been ahead of the addition of the 2.8. So, yeah, so if you look at this, the 2.8 million, it's maybe about a 9% growth in subscribers over the 31 million that Peacock had at the end of uh, 23. And that's a seems like a pretty healthy shot in the arm for Peacock. Of course, the big question is whether Peacock, uh, how many of those 2.8 million Peacock will actually retain versus how many came in just to watch the game and then will not renew. So, uh, that's a question mark, but um, just stepping back and looking at Peacock's performance in um, uh, for the year ended again, they ended the year with 31 million subscribers. They exceeded a billion in revenues for the quarter. They lo- uh, they their loss was down to just 825 million, down from 978 million in uh, Q4 of the of the prior year. So they're certainly making um, they're certainly making progress. And CFO of Comcast said that reiterated we've heard this before that Peacock's loss of about two and three quarter billion in 2023 would represent the peak loss for Peacock. So losses will only go down from here. So, yeah, I think Peacock overall, as we talked about last week, Peacock started late, but seems like it's getting its footing. And the, um, the NFL wildcard game, I think, is probably going to end up paying off for them. They'll probably never know exactly to what degree, but I think it was probably a pretty good bet overall. 
It seems to have been, although there are still grumblings, I note, from fans and from people in places of authority about them doing it in the first place. They still are very unhappy about a wildcard game, which they say, which, you know, has traditionally been available through free over-the-air TV, not being available there. So there's still lots of grumbling about that. But boy, was I wrong. What did I say last week? I thought maybe 500,000 to a million. And now yeah. our antenna is saying 2.8 million. Well, I guess a lot of people really wanted to watch that game. Well, you could you, you could still end up being right in the long term if only half a million of the 2.8 stick around for more than whatever, three, four months. There is still a possibility for you to be right. There is still a possibility, but I guess we'll that that we'll have to wait to see what Comcast reports for the beginning of Q one. <laughs> see if right. it see if it goes back down. Okay, and Colin, what was on your radar this week? One of the things that uh, is of course going on is the rollout of next gen TV, which is ATSC three O. That's going on across the country right now. And in fact, I think they have like 75%, 80% coverage already. So that is, by that I mean that 75, 80% of folks in the US can receive some, some next-gen TV channels over the air if they have that ability. And uh, uh, CEO of Scripps, a chap called Adam Simpson, was speaking this week, and, and he wanted to point out that he he thought one of the greatest uh, one of the best opportunities with next gen tv wasn't really broadcasting television at all he said quote next gen tv's greatest opportunity i believe is in wireless data he says when we broadcast something it's one to infinity when you talk about receiving something on your phone, it's one-to-one, very inefficient. And so there's a lot of applications in which one-to-infinity application of push would be really efficient use of data transfer. And what he's talking about here, quite rightly, is that when, say, Apple releases a new version of iOS or Google releases a new ver- version of Android, these have to be broadcast one to one to devices for the update and they're very big they usually you know they can be as much as a gigabyte in size and takes up a lot of a lot of bandwidth to deliver them and and the uh, using next gen tv because it's based on ip you can use it to deliver that ios update or that android update once you can broadcast it once and all the devices if they're so equipped would pick up that delivery from the same broadcast so it's very efficient in the delivery of data and i do think that this is a great opportunity for next gen tv so it's good that he's pointing this out i'm gonna i'm gonna complain though uh, and that is i really think the next gen community needs to focus on user benefits first right now there is just not enough benefit to a consumer going through the effort of getting next-gen TV, uh, equipping, getting a, getting a television receiver, making sure they've got an antenna set up, um, uh, and making sure all that works. Uh, because if they do that today, in most places what they'll get is they'll just get a simulcast of what's being broadcast on ATSC 1.0. So it'll be 720p or 1080p, uh, level broadcasts with no HDR. Now, 
they are beginning to roll out HDR this year, I think, in some places. But, you know, there really is no compelling reason for somebody to begin to receive next-gen TV today in most communities. So I really think that the industry needs to focus there to add value, start getting 4K with HDR broadcast on major events like the Super Bowl. I mean, if you were to do that, that would be a really compelling reason why people should start thinking seriously about getting a next-gen compliant TV. So, you know, I really, while this is a great business opportunity, I agree it is, they really need to focus on user benefit. They really need to work with stations to start rolling out real benefits so that there's a reason for people to go to the effort to receive next-gen TV in the first place. So that would be a pretty big marketing and promotional uh, task that they would be taking on to try to promote you know, essentially getting new, getting people to buy new TVs in order to receive the benefits that you're describing. You think they're, are they up to that? Do they have the financial resources to manage that kind of an undertaking, do you think, Tom? Well, if the stations and the ATSC and all of the associated companies that are working in this space work together, yeah, I mean, goodness, look, <laughs> local broadcasts still have the ear of a lot of the audience in the U.S., right? People still love their local their local news. They should be using that to talk about the benefits and really deliver some benefits. Let's, uh, uh, you know, it's sports. We know that's one of the biggest drivers of the adoption of new technology. And if everybody knew that they could receive the Super Bowl in 4K and HDR, that would drive a lot of excitement and people would start taking it seriously. So that's what they need to do. They have the platform to do it. Uh, so that's what I'd like to see them see them focus on. Sounds good. Well, you you may become the big biggest ATSC cheerleader then at some point, Colin. That <laughs> might be a role that you'll evolve into. <laughs> it, it it could be, but um, I tell you, uh, it's tough. I'm I'm a little bit frustrated here. I've been having a lot of trouble. We've had uh, next gen TV stations rolled out in the Bay Area for six months. I have a next gen TV. I have an antenna on my roof, and for some reason, I am not receiving them. So I just bought some equipment that hopefully will help this weekend but for me i'm kind of frustrated and i think there's yeah. probably a lot of people who are frustrated but anyway let's move yeah. on i think we're going to talk about let's start by talking about the netflix results it was a good quarter right yeah speaking of cheerleading uh netflix gained some cheerleaders this week because it delivered a pretty pretty strong by any uh definition uh fourth quarter and year 2023 uh annual performance and uh, right at the top of the list is the fact that um, Q4 subscriber editions of 13.1 million were the strongest Q4 the uh, quarter that the companies had, and um, and they were and the results were pretty uniform across all the four regions um, in, in their strength across all the four regions. Uh, fantastic performance in the U.S. and Canada, so-called UCAN region adding 2.81 million subscribers that's compared with 0.91 million a year ago um in EMEA up uh, to five little over 5.05 million up from 3.2 million uh, LATAM 
up to 2.35 million from 1.76, so a little slower, and uh, APAC 2.91 million up from 1.8 million. So um, growth across the board, but in particular the UCAN uh, region very strong, and um, they wrote about what the uh, key drivers were of their performance and really pointed out, number one, that the paid sharing, which is what is their wording for uh, how people had, who had been sharing a password have now been essentially forced to start their own account in order to continue receiving Netflix. And that is defined now, the household is defined as living under one physical structure. So we'll talk more about how they've, the specifics of how they've conceived and executed that plan, which has been very impressive. But they pointed to that as the number one reason for the uh, growth in subscribers. And they also said that at this point, I'm just going to read the quote exactly. They said that um, this is now referring to their service with, with that includes advertising. So they said the ads plan now accounts for 40% of all Netflix signups in our ads markets. And we're looking, and then they go on to talk about how they're, they've also announced that they're going to be retiring the least expensive ad free plan, which will in turn, no doubt, drive even more interest to that ad supported plan. But the ad tier has, I think, we, we talked about this, I think, originally about a year and a half ago. The ad supported tier combined with the paid sharing have been. Uh, really instrumental in driving uh, Netflix's subscriber growth over the past year and certainly in Q4 in particular. The year end, actually, the financial performance for the year was also uh, very strong, so kind of adding to the Q4 performance. But uh, full year revenues were $33.7 billion. That was up from $31.6 billion. Uh, that's a 6.7% increase. And operating income was 6.9 billion, up from 5.6 billion, which is a 23.2% increase um, on operating income. So, uh, both revenue and operating income strong, subscriber growth strong, uh, strategy strong. Again, as we'll talk about some more in a moment, they spent a lot of time in their shareholder letter and also in the earnings call. Uh, talking about the content slate, and there obviously was an interruption there during the the two strikes, um, but that will be back in swing. They're back in swing again on full production of what they've been doing, and it seems like a lot of good stuff yet to come for uh, for Netflix. What do you think? I think so. I think they're actually they continue to be extreme extremely well positioned. Will. And uh, I've, I've got to say that you know, for a company that spent most, uh, most of its life saying that they were never going to do ads, they are total converts now. <laughs> I mean, eliminating this lowers, the lower tier plan to let people watch ad free. Uh, they now have the biggest difference between the cost of the ad free tier and the Ad, uh, ad free tier it's eight dollars and fifty cents 
as as a user i find this kind of irritating i really enjoy watching without ads and i'm being asked to pay more and more for the privilege of doing that i i don't like it very much but uh, maybe i, I want to focus in on something that uh, i think is really interesting they were asked pretty directly in the earnings call will about how paid sharing was rolling out what was happening were people ponying up for a second location or were people you know being being cut off and being forced to sign up for their own account and i think there was in they wouldn't comment they basically wouldn't say how many people were doing which of those they wouldn't say how many people had had purchased a paid account and uh, etc but i think there was enough evidence in the data and some of the things they said for us to really figure it out and and at the end of it i ended up thinking that they shouldn't have called it paid sharing at all but uh, maybe i'm getting ahead of myself let me let me talk about my reasoning here so the first things that really jumped out to me were the i i took a look at the um average revenue per member and if you look at that between 2022 and 2023 it's really pretty much flat it really didn't change at all it was on average $11.29 at the end of 2022 and it was $11.31 at the end of 2023 and this is really in line with what Greg Peters had said which is he said that they didn't increase prices what he actually said was we largely put price increases on hold while we were rolling out paid sharing work because we saw that as a substitute for a price increase and so you know for many people that were sharing they would have had to have paid quite a lot more i think it's eight dollars for an additional additional site so the but the interesting thing is because arm average revenue per member didn't increase that suggests that not a lot of people added a paid sharing account right and if they had if a lot of people had and listen netflix has told us that a lot of people tens of millions of people were sharing accounts they said as i think almost as as much as a third of people were sharing accounts if lots and lots of houses had added a paid sharing account to their account we would have seen arm go up but we didn't as well there were there were other indications so ted sarandis who's the co-ceo with greg peters what ted sarandis had to say was that paid sharing did impact engagement he said our engagement is a bit impacted by paid sharing think about it like fewer households using the same account so that i think is the strongest indication that people really aren't buying the paid sharing option what they're doing is they're cutting they're cutting the people that are sharing loose and making them get their own account because what he says is so if if people actually bought the paid sharing then their engagement level wouldn't change you know the amount of sharing the amount of viewing that the shared account was doing would continue to add to the main account you know the person the person that bought the account they'd all be under one but what he's saying is no the people that are sharing 
are being kicked off and they have to give their get their own account so they take their viewing time to that account so in other words if you calculate engagement as the amount of viewing per per paying account then that would go down and that's what he's saying has happened that it's gone down so all of this tells me that paid sharing isn't paid sharing at all it is sharing curbs which is i think what i started out calling this program from netflix in the first place they picked paid sharing which i guess sounds better but the truth is it's really sharing curbs because people are being pushed uh to to get their own account and but boy will you got to tell you got to say this has been a smashing success look at the performance this year they've picked up a ton of subscribers because of paid sharing and if greg peters is to be believed that's going to continue into 2024 and beyond because what he said was this will continue to improve our growth for years ahead not just 2024 because what they're doing is they're picking out certain what he calls cohorts which is uh, groups of users that are that have similar characteristics in some respect and they're targeting them in waves so they'll look at this cohort and they'll start telling that cohort hey you're sharing an account you need to get your own and and that he what he says is that has a lot of way to go so you know netflix could pick up another 30 million subscribers next year through this paid sharing rollout Anyway, it seems to have been a huge success for them. Yeah, and and it could have completely blown up in their face also. Like I think we talked about when they first rolled this out, there were so many different ways that they could have uh, planned this and executed it. So many different opportunities for it, them to have completely stubbed their toe and endured a huge you know backlash in the media and social media, et cetera. And um, they seem to have come to a pretty solid plan for how to introduce it and how to message it and and then how to have subscribers or non-subscribers execute um, that has allowed them to really gain a ton of new subscribers without any, as far as I can tell, any major blowback. You know, their release of the ad, the cheap ad-supported plan was so well-timed. And I remember writing yeah. about it in through the lens of paid sharing which we knew was upcoming that was a masterstroke it was so i think it was so much more consumer or user friendly than netflix's approach than disney plus's approach because what disney did was they said right everybody on the 7.99 plan you're watching ads unless you give us four more dollars right that's what they did but netflix didn't do that what they said was hey paid sharers you can't do this anymore. We've got this really cheap plan that you can sign up for. It's only seven dollars. Um, you know, pay us seven dollars and you can continue to watch. So I think that that was just a masterstroke, and that has really set them that that set them up for just a massive success, uh, as as we've seen. Yeah, and we should note that Amazon is following the same path that Disney Plus. Uh, did where they're saying you're going to start getting ads unless you pay us an extra three dollars per month to get the ad to to preserve the ad free experience. Yeah, and and as a user, I can tell you that I find annoying. I find it makes me actually really quite angry 
Um, so, you know, I do not like this approach. Uh, but the, interestingly, Will, what, this has set up an interesting dynamic in the profitability of the AVOD services that they've launched, these, these ad-supported tiers. I was looking at some eMarketeer data, and eMarketer e, e says that Disney actually earned more revenue from ads in the US than Netflix did. They, they say they're estimating that Disney Plus earned $787 million in 2023 versus 685 for Netflix. But they're actually forecasting that that will reverse and that Netflix will earn more. And I think they're right here, and I actually think they're underestimating the difference. The reason Disney did better this year is because of this uh, because of the rollout right because disney basically said hey you're going to pay more everybody's going to pay more to watch ad free if they if you don't want to pay more you can watch ads so a lot of people didn't want to pay more so they watched ads so they got a lot more people much more quickly than netflix did but now as you say netflix has this nice low price entry point seven dollars and uh, it, that's with ads and 40% of signups are going into that. And they're going to, you know, they're going to continue to grow. But here's the, the biggest difference between the two is the Netflix engagement, which Ted Sarandos, by the way, says is two hours a day per account. And let me tell you, Disney Plus is nowhere near this. I was looking at some uh, Comscore data from middle of last year, which basically showed, showed engagement at Netflix was three or four times as, as much as Disney. Well, if that's true, and then Disney, the people that are watching Disney are seeing far fewer ads just because they're not using Disney nearly as much as they are using Netflix. Netflix engagement is three times, four times what Disney Plus is. So as they roll out um, the, uh, as more people sign up for the ad plan and they start watching Netflix, they're just going to use that service a lot more than they use Disney. And so they will see more ads. And so they will end up, uh, Netflix, I think, will rapidly become um, much more successful in ads than than Disney Plus. eMarketer says that it's going to be Disney, um, Netflix is going to earn 1.1, no, 1.03 billion in 2024, and Disney will earn 911 or 912. But actually, I think the difference is going to be much bigger than that, Will, because, you know, they're, they're just the engagement is so much better with Netflix over Disney Plus. Yeah, it's interesting. Netflix um, and its a shareholder letter continues as it has from the beginning to say that the ad supported tiers financial impact on the overall company's uh, performance is going to be not material. And um, so they may be gaining subscribers as they are, as we're saying, you know, uh, briskly on, for the ad supported tier. Uh, but the financial impact is not that significant from the from the ads from the ads just yet. But to your point, over time, as they get that tier to be bigger and bigger and bigger and, and get scale to show to advertisers, um, no question, it's going to have a big impact for the company. Yeah. And if we believe the e-marketer data, which is what's saying under a billion dollars, right, they're right because 2023 revenue was 33.6 billion. Yeah. So it's not that big a deal 
today. Uh, but, you know, Netflix has the scale and I think they have the right uh, approach that's going to get them a lot of ad viewers over the next, yeah. you know, two, three years. Um, so they have the penetration, they have the engagement, they have everything they need in place, Will, to, I think, really hit it out the park with, with advertising. Yeah, one thing they also have in place that we haven't mentioned yet is their new deal with uh, wrestling with uh, for Raw, um, which is going to be huge for them. Yeah, yeah, and they had some interesting things to say about that. They said, uh, you know, that the issue of sports is always being brought up in the earnings calls. Uh, that's one thing I can guarantee you somebody will ask, and of course an analyst asked about WWE and the, what the, the rights they've got is to basically all of the shoulder programming that WWE produces around the events, not the events themselves. They'll continue to be available pay-per-view elsewhere. Uh, uh, and Greg Peters, once again, he was asked about this and said that WWE is really in their sweet spot because it's sports entertainment. It's not live sports. The, co the content they've got here is, is all of that shoulder entertainment. And they see it as an opportunity. It's sort of in the way, the same way that their F1 focused series Drive to Survive uh, was, I mean, was so successful for them, but even more successful for Formula One. Will it's 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 made Formula One much more popular in the U.S. And they see this as a for WWE is sort of the reverse. WWE is very, very popular here in the US, but not so much outside of the US. And this will give exposure to all of Netflix's audiences around the world, exposure to WWE content and maybe ignite interest in that. So, uh, yeah, this this is definitely, I think, in, as they say, their sweet spot of sports entertainment. And Greg Peters was quick to say this is not a signal of any growth in sports. He said they're not interested right now in bidding on premium sports at all. So uh, they're, they're sticking to their guns and staying with entertainment. Just like they weren't interested in advertising until the day that came that they introduced the uh, ad-supported tier. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and exactly. And uh, you've got to believe, Will, at some point, as Netflix continues to evolve and become probably the most successful TV company in the world. They'll that gives them bargaining power, right? If you're a sport and you want to reach a lot of people quickly, a platform like Netflix is very interesting, particularly now that they're supporting ads and they're building up their ad infrastructure. In fact, that's one of the things that they said in the earnings call as well, that it's a big focus of the company right now to get scale, to add premium features like targeting, and, and they're trying to improve with measurement so that they can give advertisers better visibility on the performance of the campaigns that they run with them. So this is a huge, a, uh, a huge interest for them. As they perfect that, they just become much, much more interesting to sports as a very convenient, quick way of reaching an extremely large audience. So, as you say, they say it's not on the table, but you and I both know it is. And I think on that note, we will wrap it up for today, Colin. So 
I have to say, I think Netflix has to be our, the topic that we've talked about most across all these podcasts. What do you think? I think it is, and and how Nothing could else. we how could we not? Will they right. they started right. the category of SVOD, right? And they kind of define it. They're the leader, right. and right. that's what everybody's looking at. Yeah, and they continue to just execute so well. They have their periodic misstep, although it's been a while since they've had a misstep, but. They have had periodic missteps, but um, they always seem to keep ro- keep coming, roaring back. They do. They do. Okay, Colin, good chatting. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening in on this week's Inside the Stream. And uh, we will see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News. All rights reserved.